0: again everybody i'm carly webb and this is the Transporter room the intersection of sports transness sci-fi all things nerd and geek and a lot of other stuff and this week we get out on the dance floor get a club on a little bit one of the hottest djs i know who's putting together a serious back to school fundraiser this week more on that in a little bit but first The Paralympics continue in Tokyo, and Team LGBTQ is getting things done. You really thought we'd just be satisfied with that one medal on the first day? (laughs) Not a chance. As we go to air, six gold, six silver, one bronze, 13 medals overall. Now, the latest came in the Women's C5 Classification Road Cycling Time Trial, And you have to feel for Britain's Crystal Lane Wright. It's her second silver medal of the Paralympics. The problem is, she just happens to be great at a time when her top opponent is legendary. Dame Sarah Story won gold in the time trial to match her individual pursuit gold last week. She is on a course to be the winningest British Paralympian ever. If she wins the road race later this week, that would make it 17 career Paralympic gold medals. Also, congratulations are in order to Ireland's Katie George Dunleavy. In the women's B time trial, her and her pilot Eve McChrystal are the defending Paralympic champions. And they went out to the track at Fuji International Speedway on a mission. Oh, by the way, to all the video game heads. Yes, it's that Fuji International Speedway. You know what I'm talking about. Prepare to qualify, or in this case, prepare to dominate. They took a nine-second lead through the first of four laps, and it grew to more than a minute by the end to win the gold. Second medal of the Paralympics for the duo, and they have a date with the road race coming as well later this week. Now, here's our Paralympic roll call for Team LGBTQ. Britain's Lee Pearson is the leader of the pack. Three gold medals in the dressage events. He has 14 in a career. Also, Britain's Laura Rolls, mixed double skulls, got a gold there. Among the silver medalists, Israel's flag bearer came home in the, in the single skulls, Moran Samuel, congratulations. Representing the United States, Haley Dans, this past weekend, did the job in the triathlon, got the silver and was just a whisker away from getting the gold herself. And Canada's Katie O'Brien, Track Women's Cycling C45 500 meter time trial, taking that silver back to Canada. And our lone bronze medalist at this point, Australia's Robin Lambier, T-34 classification in track and field, got the bronze at 100 meters and made history. The first public out non-binary athlete to win a Paralympic medal. Like I said, the tally right now, six gold, six silver, one bronze, 13 total. Now, where does Team LGBTQ rank in the medal count? Now, according to the way the International Paralympic Committee ranks the medal count, tied for 13th with France on the strength of the six gold medals. By total medals, Team LGBTQ is 19th, tied with Mexico, Canada, and Iran. But you know on the transporter room, We use the Carly Paralympic Index. It's a point system. 10 points for gold, 5 points for silver, 1 point for bronze. And under that system, 13 medals for 91 points, tied for Japan, the host nation, for twelfth. Now the overall lead by any metric is China. 59 gold. 129 total medals, 812 Carly points. They're the runaway leaders here. Number two, Great Britain, 29 gold, 80 total medals, 433 Carly points. Now, switching gears, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the New York Times article and video feature surrounding a competitive transgender woman who likes to run named Andy Taylor amid the backdrop of the current trans rights debate, and so on. Now, the feature has certain nuances. Some I can rock with, some I can't. Now, Taylor had some certain things to say. One of those, she was quoted to say in the article, is, quote, I'm not a cheater, but I may have an unfair advantage, and talked about kind of this dichotomy. Now, what came after on on Twitter, on a lot of different social media, it was a lot of kudos for being honest and quote, staking out middle ground. And like I said two weeks ago, I am I have a criticism of a lot of these of some of this coverage and a lot of these opinions that come from it. And I've made my criticisms known. But there's one thing in particular that came on the Twitter a, a day or two ago that Really struck me. It was from Patrick Healy. Now, Patrick Healy is the deputy editor of the New York Times, and they put out a tweet saying, I've never seen a story like Andy Taylor's. There's a lot of talk about sports competition and trans athletes. Taylor is so open and searching about a desire to compete as a trans woman and why she feels she struggles to do so. Now, Mr. Healy is entitled to his opinion. But Mr. Healy is not necessarily entitled to his own facts. When one of those facts that, he tried, that he's trying to sell is that we don't hear much from the athletes. And as if, in a sense, it's, wow, we're finally hearing from a trans person. First, we have to beg the question, are you saying that because you really haven't heard from a lot of trans athletes? Or are you saying that because you're hearing from a trans athlete That basically agrees with a largely cisgender opinion that there is this so-called unfair advantage and there is this so-called tug of war between two extremes when the fact of the matter is the only extreme are the people seeking exclusion. Now, Mr. Haley, if that's not the case, I have a question. Another one, rather. Do you read your own newspaper? Because in June, the Times had a feature on C.C. Telfer. Yes, that's CeCe Telfer. You know, Division II national champion a couple of years ago, CeCe Telfer. History-making trans woman athlete at the NCAA level, CeCe Telfer. Mr. Healy, underneath the post were a whole lot of trans journalists who have written about trans athletes. And many of those includes a lot of transgender people who are in the craft. Trans journalists have an association, the Trans Journalist Association, of which I'm proudly a member, where there's hundreds of us who have written these stories. One person who really brings out what this issue is about is Christina Carl. Now, Christina Carl is the sports editor of the San Francisco Chronicle. She's also the first trans person to be named an executive editor of a major American newspaper. She tweeted, in addition to the New York Times doing a reliably bad job covering trans issues, it should surprise nobody that erasing and ignoring trans journalists is something else to its discredit. Now, this fall, some 35 states are going to be fighting over a number of these issues, such as participation by student-athletes who are trans in interscholastic and intercollegiate athletics, um, matters of affirming health care. And even with the recent Gavin Grimm settlement, there are some who want to put the bathroom bill back on the floor of the legislatures again. To the cisgender people in the craft, please don't be like Patrick Healy. There's a lot of reporting out there, and a lot of it's easy to find. And also to those also in the craft, who, especially those who make hiring decisions, and 99.99% of you are cis. Um, to quote my dear friend, and in many ways the founder of this feast we call the transporter room, Don Ennis, a simple idea. To quote Don on her Twitter, how about hiring some trans people? Now, let's turn to a little bit of trans joy. And first, I have some trans joy for all the people at Manchester, England Pride this past weekend who chased away the hecklers from the LGB Alliance when they tried to get in the way. Good on you. Now, the LGB Alliance is a group that started in the UK a couple years ago, and they're trying to set up shop around the world, including in the United States. And the idea is separate cisgender L G B from trans people because the fight for trans rights goes against the fight rights for everybody else's rights which is that's farcical laughably farcical and in fact a lot of these people are actually straight people and they're playing into the hands of the most ravenous most decrepit anti-lgbtq lobbies in the world most of them based in the united states just remember The LGB Alliance is largely straight people trying to tell cisgender, lesbian, and gay people that their enemies are trans people. Also, some trans joy for Sean Faye, one of my my favorites in the atmosphere. Activist, poet, you name it, they've done it. And she just wrote a book. Transgender Issue, An Argument for Justice, that book drops today, and I'm definitely going to read it. There's already a picture floating out there of Owen Jones, the the noted pundit and commentator, was on the beach on a vacation reading an advanced copy. Now, this book is one of the two very important books by trans authors that came out this year. The other one, American Fascism, How the GOP is Subverting American Democracy, by good friend of the show, Bryn Tannehill, and... I'm currently reading that right now. And if you haven't picked that book out, you should pick that up, order it. And we're also going to put a link to the interview that the podcast did with Tannehill back this past spring on this book and why it should be required reading. If you want to know where we've been and the scary place we could go, if we don't stay vigilant. And TransJoy for a new ad campaign by Michelob Ultra. Anheuser-Busch has announced this big ad by in advance of National Women's and Girls in Sport Day. $100 million. Big campaign to support women's sports. And I saw the opening commercial and, whoa, CeCe Telfer was in it. And that makes me happy. Telfer is not just a hero to me she's like a sister to me and that is a first for a trans woman athlete now the last time we saw a trans person in sports in an ad did we ever think we'd ever see that we didn't until the 2016 olympics and a certain chris Mosier in a nike ad well there's that noise You know what that means. Got to take a break to give some love to the sponsors. When we come back, a DJ who is on point trans and is putting up a party for the right to fight this weekend. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. This is the Transporter Room. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Transporter Room. And just a reminder, if you have a podcast, it may not be a good idea to have a cat because your cat, like mine, will lounge in front of your teleprompter. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb, and we have a special guest and a dear friend joining us this week. It's said that isolation is an incubator for homophobia and transphobia. And isolation in many ways has been a coin of the realm since last March. And because of the pandemic and because of the continuing legal and social attack on trans people that has come with it. This week, in a sense, is coming out the other side for many of us. Schools open across most of the nation, and some of those kids going back to classes in person, not virtually, just may be trans. And schools can be a difficult situation, and in some places, it can be a hostile one. A number of organizations are active in trying to make our nation's schools a safer space for trans and gender nonconforming youth. One of those is California-based Gender Spectrum. They're an organization that facilitates online and personal consultation and training for educational, medical, social service, and legal professionals in dealing with specific issues in regarding tr- trans and gender nonconforming youth. Now to help raise some funds, Enter Xandra Zero, also known as DJ Zero, a trans woman who is the titan of the turntables, one of the hottest DJs in New England. From industrial to goth to techno to pop, she gets the party rolling, and during the pandemic, she's created a series of monthly virtual sets that'll build a growing Twitch.tv following and has raised over $10,000 for a number of trans-related causes. And her next big fundraising show is September fourth, this coming Saturday. Now she's preparing for this big set, but she took some time out to get beamed up. Setting coordinates for New England, Xandra DJ Zero, energize. Hi. That's Zandra, a welcome the into intro. The show. <laughs> um, hi. Huh?
1: Uh, I'm Zandra. She her. Um, trans woman. Known
0: as DJ Zero. Um, How's everybody doing? (laughs) Well, I'm doing great, and it's great to see your face. And let's just not even play around with it. Let's get into it. The show, and in fact, all the sets. It's called Trans Dance. What is this about? What are we going to be seeing on Saturday? And also, how did this get started? This was born of the pandemic okay um so trans trans dance has existed
1: um ever since well the pandemic happened and then we had our first pride during pandemic and that was a huge letdown and, and a large reason why trans dance exists at all is because um there was a right-wing activist uh, thing going on at the time that was really declaratively against trans people uh, and anybody celebrating pride. Uh, and it, it hurt me to watch a lot of uh, my trans community uh, speak out in terms of being very uh, disheartened and um, not really wanting to go on So I felt a desperate need to do something. And then it dawned on me because I had been, I'd started streaming for a uh, goth night that I do in Providence called Dark Mode. Um, I'd started streaming online for that. And I was like, well, what can I do to make this something more? So Trans Dance became an opportunity for a goth DJ to uh, non-ironically spin uh, pop music she likes. (laughs) And... um, at the same time, raise money for causes. As you said, Trans, uh, Lifeline was the first uh, and uh, one of the few that I've done three times with the show. This weekend, Transanza Education. This is actually the second semester of Transanza Education because I, I was really I dropped the ball on promoting it last month, so we didn't get a huge attendance for it. Um, so we're doing it again because I wanna make sure it gets the fair shake that everybody else has gotten. Um, and Trans Dance Education, as you said, is an organization, or sorry, Trans Dance Education is raising money for gender spectrum. Now that's an organization that is working to make classrooms more inclusive for uh, gender nonconforming students uh, on the whole by teaching parents, by teaching teachers. Uh, by by teaching staff, they also go into workplaces to help with that end. But really, uh, the the motivation here is to help with uh, the youth that goes back to school and, and faces you know any number of struggles just existing and trying to figure out what what and who they are uh, in the world. I mean, I know growing up, up, I didn't have any kind of language for, for what I've discovered about myself. Well, they have that now, and, and making sure that they have access to that is kind of super important.
0: Now, how did the pandemic influence what you did? Having
1: a space for people to be became, like, And a lot of DJs were doing this. I'm not, I'm not exclusive in that. Like I do what I do at twitch.tv slash XanderZero. zero. Those are with X's. Um, But there are are hundreds of us that migrated to Twitch because club scene uh, had ended. And the four walls that close us in during pandemic were, were just inducing depression anxiety, all kinds of things. So like, of course, what we did was an outlet. Um, the The dance that I started was the goth night. And then I started going, well, I don't want to do just goth every weekend. Let me try try and mix it up some. So I do like a down tempo, sexy sort of night night one night. Then I do uh, only music from the 20th century on a different night. That's called chronomancy. Uh, and then um, i, I And then trans dance became something to do. Uh, And I've actually had some really, really great guests in with that as well. Uh, Trans DJs uh, from all over, DJ Kinsey Fires, who is uh, the main player in the band Fires. Um, uh, DJ Omega Telec from Albany, they are non-binary and uh, they are part of a group called Resist out in uh albany which has adopted me into the family uh and uh Telek and i are actually going to be spinning resist desire combining uh resist with my my uh sexy down tempo night night this friday night at resist the club is the twitch handle for that so twitch.tv slash resist the club but uh, th- those are amazing DJs. I've had some queer DJs that, in, in the mix. I, I've uh, met some incredible uh, other non-binary uh, DJs that do this. But yeah, we're, we're all we're all just trying to find a way to give our community a place that they can go relax. Like it's it's not the same thing as being in a club. And now that clubs are reopening there's a little bit of uh, you know fear about going back into that environment because the virus isn't gone yet. And the, the, the threat isn't 100% gone. So there's a lot of people, and there's a lot of people for whom like club life really wasn't a thing they wanted to do anyway. So you end up with a very diverse kind of chat room uh, inside the forum that maybe you wouldn't in a dance club anyway. And it's been great. And uh, people have been uh, amazingly generous uh, on so many levels. Uh, You know, week to week, there are struggles to, you know, get people back. There's a lot of people vying for attention. But, you know, I created something and I stick with it because someone out there depends on it for you know their weekly fix their weekly way to survive isolation or whatever else is you know troubling them you know whatever outlet they need i i try to continue to be that
0: now with that in mind how have you personally dealt with this pandemic um <laughs> the streams are a large
1: way I have uh, I, I think without it i would have um I struggled, honestly. Like like I I didn't leave I, I spent a lot of time um chatting within various online Discord groups to uh, keep company with people and I met new friends from all over uh and I learned more about myself that way, but still, I mean through it all, like I, I never went anywhere. Um, my, my spouse, uh, works full time was considered, uh, necessary, uh, to work at her job. And, um, yeah, so, so I was, I was the at home house spouse throughout and, you know, I do my chores and everything else, but, um, you know, my job was this spending music on the weekends and, and, and hoping I can make a, a little bit of difference for somebody.
0: Now, how has being a DJ affected your transition? How did that influence the process? Okay, well, I, I can say this much.
1: Um, I don't hold back quite so much as I used to. W- what I mean to say is because I didn't have... A full sense of who I was, or I was afraid of sharing that sense of who I was. I I didn't really pursue things that uh, I thought I deserved, thought I'd be good at. I did to some degree or another, but not to the extent that I have now. I've and to do it solo. There was a long period of my um, career as a DJ um, where I was shoulder to shoulder with a very specific partner. Um, And uh, some things happened just before I came out that led to us not being able to work together the way uh, I I loved so much. And in the course of what happened next, I found myself Desperately needing to get back into DJ, finding myself at odds with, well, how do I explain who I am if I don't tell people what I am up front? Um, So there's a degree to which, uh, when I came out, uh, I was was also just tired of hiding it. And I needed everybody to see me in the fullness of what I was going to do if I was gonna pursue anything that I wanted to do. And it had the strange effect of having like all new communities reach out to me and say, oh, hey, we didn't know. Come over, do this thing with us. And it's been remarkable. One of the best ones actually, um, uh, up in Vermont, in Brattleboro, there's, a, there's something called the Brattleboro Queer Dance Party. And I got in touch with... Them. Something I know something about. I've been to one. I have news for you. Okay, so... Uh, but I'll get there. There. So one of the um, drag artists uh, that MCs for that um, was hosting a drag party and needed a fill-in DJ. And uh, because I worked at a, at a Western Mass... Uh, party for a long time one of the people involved uh, dropped my name and so it turned into a number of really amazing opportunities and Brattleboro Queer Dance Party had me out to a uh, DJ for their 2019 Halloween party, the Stone Church at Brattleboro and this was one of the first times Um. There was a a DJ that opened, but I was pretty much the main floor for the night. And I'd never really had the experience of holding a party wherein I was the central figure. And I've been doing this for 15 years, not to mention what I've done in radio and really feel like I know what I'm doing. I'm really good at this. And I'm watching my dance floor, love everything that 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 I decided to do. So it, it, it was a it was a whole new experience of finding out that I am good at what I do and being able to live in that. Like not like ego, but like confidence. And I don't think I would have found confidence if I didn't discover I was a woman. Um and that entire experience, just like it was amazing for me. Uh, funny story, I, I I, blew a flat on my car on the drive home because it was raining like crazy, but I didn't care. I felt like so elated and so uh, amazed by, by the experience and things have gone on like that ever since. Brownboro Queer Dance Party, by the way, um, we are all getting together for uh, their first live event since COVID. On September seventeenth, that's Friday, September seventeenth, at Stowe Church, um, and there's some details to, about that on my all my links.
0: Where was the point in your story when you said, "Now is the time to move forward. I have to become myself. I have to do this."
1: Okay, well, there's, there's, it, that's a little complicated because even as I start to understand that I could, I could make a move towards what I wanted, I was still in a tremendous amount of denial about who I was. So roughly, um, early, early 2018, um, I checked my weight, uh, and I I had a, a severe car accident back in 2000. And it injured me in such a way that I've always had to do a certain amount of rehabilitation all the time in order to keep my musculature supporting uh, certain um, things that, that happened. And uh, so I, go, I was going to the gym two, three times a week. But I was going and I'm kind of going through the motions of doing all the workouts that I do. And uh, I was gaining so much weight. Like I I was really like unhappy and miserable the entire time and I couldn't figure it out. So I checked my weight one day and uh, it had reached a point I'd never seen before. And I got scared. I got scared for my health and I went to the gym again. I was like, well, how do I get serious about this? I'm here all the time. Why am I so depressed? Why do I have no goals? And I looked around at the room and I was like, don't want to look like any of these men. but I had been saying something to myself all along that I finally let myself hear is that oh, I- I'm not looking at the women in the room because I'm attracted. I- I'm looking at them because like I want what they have. I want to be doing what they do. and, that was that was the epiphany. That was the moment where I'm like, then why isn't that the goal? Why don't I make that the goal? Why don't I work out the way they do and build myself the way I want to look and feel and be comfortable in my body, because I was never going to feel good about looking hulky and, you know, and, and that isn't to shame any body type, but it wasn't me. And so I did, and that moved forward into an um, in, an entire effort to feminize myself in ways and begin wearing women's clothes and and start to realize how much more comfortable and happy I felt. You know, I finally came out. That was uh, in June of. 2019. And uh, after I came out, like three months later, I sat down for uh, dinner with my wife and uh, a friend, a, a couple of friends, one of whom is non binary, and Z was talking about um, their, uh, testosterone injections. And as Z was talking about it, I started thinking to myself about why I was. Not considering that for myself. And then a a discussion um, later made me go, you know what? Yeah, I do kind of want that. And so I went in for an appointment to get questions answered. (laughs) And I walk out with a prescription and going, okay, I guess I'm doing. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i i, I like well, isn't that how that works just by every time I, yeah well they they
1: weren't like they were very informative and you know you do the informed consent thing, and they 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 weren't hesitant at all, they were like it's clearly what you want, and I still doubted it for at least a couple of weeks after, so while I had the prescription in hand, I was still. Asking a bunch of questions, and it took like my first. Uh, I, I had therapy for something else entire, entirely, and uh, I had a you know brief conversation that basically was like, Yeah, okay, what the hell am I <laughs> So, yeah, um, that was almost two years ago.
0: It's something that you know, young people now have the opportunity and. In many places, more and more, they're having more of the safety to make this happen, whereas you and I, both being close to the same age, we didn't. It's strange, because
1: I look at the what's happening in the world politically and how it seems that our youth are being used as some sort of political weapon or something. In order, and all of these things about you know trans kids in sports and trans kids in the classroom and any trans person in a bathroom, like all of it, there was no sign of that when I was growing up. And where I was growing up and when I was growing up in the South, I had such internalized phobia that. Even if anyone had suggested those things, I would find ways to laugh, act silly, act weird. Weird was my shield. So, nothing like I would always be in fear of ever being perceived as gay. Then, let alone being a woman, let alone being a, a, a young girl, I had no conception that I could be. The youth of today can be in a way I never could, and I want that for them if it's what they need for themselves. It's not It's not a choice any of us make lightly to go down this road in a world where it's harsh and unforgiving sometimes. And, and I have a lot of compassion for anyone who has to struggle with that, especially with regard to that leading to any form of ideation that, 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 that may make them decide to just give up. And I don't want that for them. I want them to have the world where they can step forward and say, yes, I was born this way, but this is who I am today. And this is what I have always been and been unable to communicate. And once they can, that should be celebrated. That shouldn't be diminished. So yeah, groups like Gender Spectrum and you know, the variety of other groups that I have uh, done uh, charities for, like working so hard to give them space to do that is important to me. Um, lar- largely, I just, like, everything about trans dance has been to keep us alive, to keep our community alive, one way or another. It's raising money for food. It's it's giving support with, with, with you know, hotlines. It's, Finding those groups that will fight the battles we need fought in legislation. Like, all of those things are super important, but they all boil down to the same thing. How do we live another day safely and free to be ourselves? Before I came out, before I understood who I was, there was a tweet that I found and I saved it. And it spoke to the harm done to a trans person the day after the Republican candidate was elected and it was not small and it's very trigger warning to repeat so I'm not going to but I will say that even not knowing I was trans, something in that moment reflected to me in the danger we face we all face even outside the trans community. And Hmm. that's behind us, we hope. So people need to vote in the midterms to make sure that things don't turn uh, in in a way that uh, is even worse. And I'll make decisions to try to do what I can. And again, trans dance exists to try to do what I can. Because For every problem that we face in our community, I can't do something about all of it. I can't be, no one can, but we can all do a little bit of our part, you know? And even if what I do is just gather people in a room and collect money to throw money at a problem that someone else is is addressing far better than maybe I could, then that's what I'll do.
0: Now, one thing is you've been visible. You build a Twitch TV following, and visibility, yes, it matters. And we've seen it, for example, in my world, the sports world. We saw players come out where players never come out before. And we had this recent Olympics where you had 183 out athletes, 32 medals won, and the first trans athletes, including a trans non-binary athlete, Win a gold medal. Um, How important is that in your mind?
1: One of the things that I said whenever I made my coming out statement on social media was that even if all I do is make myself visible, I, I needed to come out. Like, if I needed, like, to, to help help the community because I did see a lot of people who were like me in pain while I hid uh I saw a lot of people who were (laughs) unimaginably uh brave to stand up and 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 face the kind of danger they do um so yeah being visible is very important um and more than that like I enjoy I enjoyed that to a degree, I didn't before. One of the things that that, that uh, I, I do, I have done with social media since coming out, is uh, I mean, people take selfies. That's nothing new. For me, I never wanted a camera aimed at me. We were talking earlier about a, a club night that uh, that that I used to DJ and you had attended, and there was a photographer that, there who would, you know, he come up and he'd want to take pictures of me i'm like i'm gonna break your camera you don't want to aim that at me like i'm gonna shatter your lids just by you pointing it at me like i i i was never an ugly person but i never felt like there was anything about myself that a camera could capture that i wanted see. I preferred to be invisible. I spent a long time. um, One of the nightclubs that I used to work out in Northampton, the club night was called Haven. And uh, it's got the industrial night. And for a long period, uh, for about 10 years, I worked there. And for about five of those last years, I was in cooperation with the the, uh, owner promoter uh, to co-promote the night, but I never used my voice to do that. I didn't want to be seen by anybody doing any of that that work to get people to the club. I just wanted to do it do it and and mask myself behind the other promoter and let her uh, take all the credit because I just I I didn't want to be seen. And um, now. I love it. I mean, beyond the fact that like, I've always loved to dance. Um, (laughs) Dancing is a huge part of my life. I I was in dance company in college. Uh, I taught at Arthur Murray's um, for a a few years and I have always loved to dance. Um, Once I came out, I could express myself on the dance floor in ways I never could before for because I wasn't afraid to be seen. Yet. And so what if somebody looked over and, you know, clocked me as trans for whatever reason, I could, I could live fully in the moment of expressing that and not care. And... It only got. It only has gotten better and better. And, you know, when I DJ back here, um, I'm I'm dancing all night long for like four to five hours. And we've
0: seen you do it. And and how do you even keep all that together? Dancing and also keeping the sounds right. Keeping that it's a, together. It's. A, it's.
1: I've got a good sense of rhythm. Um, and I've got a lot of experience, and uh, my tools help. Uh, what I use to DJ. Um, is a lot different than it used to be. So getting from song to song is a little more uh, smooth than it may have been like <laughs> seven, eight years ago. Uh, and because I have become more versatile, um, like I said, I was, a, I was a goth DJ for a long time. 350 different uh, events in the past 11 years. And uh, most of them are goth industrial. So when I started streaming and I started exploring other genres, doing something down tempo, doing something uh, retro, and specifically only music from the twentieth century, doing the pop night for the for charity, like those became a way for me to explore music and really uh, understand it better. Even within the context of the music that I'm most familiar with. So, if I want to go back to Goth Industrial at any point, I do. And I find that I'm a better DJ at that for having explored the several other genres. Um, And dance wise, uh, like it's, I know a lot of the language of dance, I taught it. It was my minor in college. It was supposed to be my major, but, uh, again, that accident kind of put that away. Um, and uh, so, yeah, like, it's, it's been a part of my life. I remember, again, you look back at your life, you look back at your childhood, and you see signs that you're like, if only I had paid attention to, to that, maybe I would have come out sooner. And one of those signs was a show called Solid Gold. <laughs>
0: Oh, so you know some Marilyn McCoo. You don't know Marilyn McCoo the way I know Marilyn McCoo. I know
1: Marilyn
0: (laughs) McCoo. Yeah, we're right, too.
1: Um, But there was a dancer on the show who was from my area. And uh, he was cool and all. But I wanted to be one of the dancers. And as I look back at it, the fact that he came from my area didn't really appeal to me quite so much as, you know, the women that were dancing on the show. And, and uh, so, yeah, like, I'd always wanted, there was three things I wanted to do growing up. DJ, write, and dance. And I've done all of those things in my time um, throughout my life.
0: So I've been pretty privileged in that way. Madam DJ, let's put your finger on the pulse a little bit. What are you seeing, like on the club scene, that's getting hot right now? What's getting the traction right now? What am I going to be hearing Saturday that's new and now? What are you pointing to in saying that? That's what you're going to be jamming to. You know, it's interesting because in that context,
1: I, I have never felt like I can point at a single artist and be like, this is the it thing. This is the, this is the now thing I have DJed in a way where, uh, where I try to incorporate old and new all the time. And it is bizarre and amazing to me that, uh, you know, who Susie and the band she's are.
0: Oh yes. Okay. So you're bringing back the junior high school uh, yeah. era, right there with Susie and the Banshees. Let's give you an example: While Susie and
1: the Banshees' "Cities and Dust" will be completely familiar to you, on any occasion, I might play that and find somebody in the room who comes running up and goes, "What is this amazing song? I've never heard this before." So, um, what's hot right now? I, I don't know. Who really ca- cares? Because what what what's happening right now? And what happened then, and blending that together, is really more important to me. Like, like I I, I try not to get caught up in, in in artists and single. You know, you know I've got a lot of favorites. You know, on a lot of levels. Um, uh, for goth nights, I play strangers. Actually, I end almost every one of my sets with with a band called Strangers. Uh, the, the A is a V in Strangers. Um, and uh, they're they're an amazing uh, dark pop band, band that kind of blends a lot of uh, um, styles into this dark uh, rock dance genre that they do. Um, on the poppier side of things, I, I, I don't know. Like there There's there's a lot of new industrial bass music out there. There's a lot of new EDM that's pretty cool, and every once in a while I'll just pop on and be like, oh, wow, here's this amazing new tra- track, and I like, I like to play that for a while, but um, reciting any of them off the top of my head, like, which one's my favorite? My favorite is the one that
0: I see people enjoying. Sandra, I'm going to put a challenge up to you say there's a kid young trans kid about to head back into a classroom they came out during the summer and now they're coming into a new school year as themselves and in a sense they're coming out into the world and there's some trepidation to be sure what kind of fight song remix would you DJ Zero build them as sort of an anthem, a fight song, if you will, that'll get them out the door and in a sense let them know that, hey, I'm here, I'm in this space, I'm in this space, and I got this. What would you, some type of remix thing, would you build for that kid?
1: This is where my brain goes a little spacey because I know the name of the song and I've played it a few times, but I can't remember the, the name of uh, the artist singing it. I can tell you uh, he performs as the negative man. You wanted to get into some science fiction? We'll get into some science fiction. He performs as the negative man in Doom Patrol. Uh, and on Doom Patrol, he and a, uh, a performer uh, did a duet for a song called People Like Us, which I believe is a cover of Kelly Clarkson.
0: Oh, by the way, the person that you were looking for, Matt Bomar, yeah. Matt Bomar. Matt it's done in the context of
1: negative man being out as a queer man and um, and the space being very non-conforming in both sexuality and gender. So. Uh, on Danny the Street, who is non-binary in, in the show, so yeah, that song has been one that on many occasions I have ended my my trans dance sets to, to because it speaks to a large degree about about uh, you know fighting to be who we are, are through uh, fire and uh, how important it is for people like us to to, to stand together.
0: Using that kid as kind of the example, how important is it for that young person to know that from us, especially from from us adults in the community, to know that we're with you, we support you, we have your back, and you got this. How important is that message, especially right now with schools opening up, and also with this with this set you've got coming up? How important is that message I was moving towards the moment I would come out
1: I had a very very close community of friends who were there for me that supported me that didn't judge me Um, it was I felt rare and special and in a moment Something happened where I lost my access to all that. And in the moments that I was reeling for purchase, all I could do was try and seek out something to replace it, somebody to replace it. So yeah, having someone there for you to say, what you're doing is okay. What you're doing is right for you. What you're doing is important important for you to express for yourself, it's, it's immeasurably, you know, in a world where we have so much internalized phobia bearing down on us on a daily basis that we have to like, even those of us who have come out, we have to examine that about ourselves uh, constantly. Because it's such a part of our culture, such a part of our our society, such a part of our media. And as you're only just learning, if you don't have role models, if you don't have somebody who's already there, if you don't have somebody who can give you some piece of information that will make you go, oh, that connects specifically with what I'm feeling then, yeah, who knows how long it will take you. So, yeah, that that visibility we talked about. For those of us who can and and and, and should be in the light to say it's okay to be in the light.
0: Zandra, have a great show on Saturday. You know I'm going to be there. I'm going to be dancing it up with you, and I'm looking forward to it. And we're going to have all the links for this on our Twitter page, on our Facebook page. And I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to want you back. So, Xandra, hey, thank you for being in the transporter room. And again, I'm looking forward to what you put up this weekend.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Carla. I really do appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. And really nice to finally catch up with you on some level or another.
0: Yeah, I mean it, I know it's hard it's hard for us to connect but I'm glad we could connect here. Uh-huh. But hey, we're going to beam you back down so you get ready for that set. Energize Xandra. Thank you for being on the show and thanks to all of you for being for being a part of the transporter room this week. And just to know all the links for this weekend and all the other things Sandra is going to be doing, it'll be on our Facebook page. It'll be on our Twitter page. And also, please, leave a message on our Twitter page and our Facebook page if there's something you want to see, if there's something or something you want to say about how we're doing, if you like what we're doing or if you don't like what we're doing. Leave that message because everything I do here at the Transporter Room, I do for all of you, the people who support us. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. Live long and prosper Steady as she goes. I'll catch you all next week.